We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, Daniel, I have a great idea for how physicists should name things in science. Uh-oh, I can feel my skepticism rising up inside me. <laughs> like uh, indigestion? <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the idea. So the next time you guys invent something or discover something amazing, just put the word great in front of it. You know, and just to make it seem more expressive, because I feel like you guys don't sell things enough. You mean like, the great Daniel and Jorge explain the universe. Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that makes grammatical sense, but I mean, you know, like you, you have a, you have a model of the universe, and you call it the standard model. You know, yeah, it could be a little bit better. You know, the great model of particles. Oh man, that is a great idea. Hi, I'm Jorge, I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist and I only study stuff that's great. Great or grape flavor? <laughs> grape is not one of the great flavors, I have to say. It's like low on the list. Who doesn't like grape juice? <laughs> it's like the filler of juice, right? It's like the banana in a smoothie, right? Nobody drinks what? the juice for the grape. The banana is a highlight for me in smoothies. <laughs> banana is like the canvas of smoothie on which everything <laughs> oh, else man. sits, you know. It's just there to support everything else. We are totally different wavelengths here, Daniel. You go into the smoothie store, you notice there's banana in almost every single smoothie, but it's not named banana. It's like the orange smoothie, the raspberry smoothie. Banana just plays like the supporting role there. No, bananas are the foundation upon which all smoothies are built. You're saying they're the underground sort of concrete basement, right? <laughs> they're like the standard model of physics, but for <laughs> smoothies. But anyways, uh, welcome to our podcast. Daniel and Jorge explain uh, fruit smoothies, apparently, and the universe. 
Welcome to our great podcast in which we try to show you how amazing and bonkers and frankly great the universe is. And it's great not just because crazy stuff happens, but because we can't understand it. The human mind is amazingly capable of penetrating the cosmos and unraveling it. And that's our job today is to give you a tour of the cosmos in a way that you can understand and impress your friends with your knowledge. Yeah, and we're also the authors of the book, We Have No Idea, A Guide to the Unknown Universe, which apparently a lot of our listeners don't know that we wrote. It's true. I get a lot of questions from listeners that ask us about things that are really nicely explained in our book. And I'll say, oh, you should check out our book. And they write back and say, what? You guys have a book? <laughs> what? <laughs> you guys know how to write? <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said we have a book. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> it's a book. And it's not just an audiobook. There are actual words, right? And, and letters in it. And cartoons. Yes, it's a really fun book. It's all about the things you don't know about the universe and what scientists think they might be. And it's fun for those of you out there who are curious about the world and want to know not just what do scientists know, but what are scientists wondering about. And it features a bunch of words, but also dozens and dozens of really hilarious and clear diagrams about what's going on drawn by a hilarious cartoonist I know. Oh, really? Who is it? Oh, I don't remember what his name is. It doesn't really matter. You know, I just <laughs> stole his art some, from the internet. Some great guy, probably. <laughs> no, so it's a great book. You guys should check it out. Yeah, it's about all the things we don't know about the universe. And there's a lot we don't know about the universe, right, Daniel? I mean, there's we know some things here on Earth and some things in our solar system and some things out there in the, uh, the galaxies and the cosmos. But there is a lot we don't know, even kind of where we are and, and where we sit in this big, giant space. Yeah, in the book, we make this analogy a lot that we are sort of at the beginning of an age of exploration of the universe, because I think it's easy for people to imagine back 100 or 500 or 1000 years ago, before we even knew like the shape of the earth and all the land on it, it was exciting to go out and explore and to learn about our, our sort of neighborhood and the larger place we were on the earth. Well, we're in that place sort of scientifically, we're still just learning how the universe works. But also very specifically, it's not like just a metaphor. We are now exploring beyond the Earth and getting maps of sort of where we are in our cosmic neighborhood. And we're really just beginning. And so every year, every decade, we look further and further out into the universe and just learn like the shape of things. Yeah, how things are arranged, how the stars and the galaxies and the, uh, the clusters of galaxies, how, how it all sort of sits in the universe and where we sit on it, right? Like in a kind of a, they call it our address in the universe. Yeah. And just like explorers who are venturing around weird places on earth and finding strange stuff, weird animals and grand canyons and new fruits and all sorts of stuff. As we look out into space, we find some weird, weird stuff out there that forces us to sort of revise our understanding of what's in the universe and how it's put together. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, there are weird things out there that people are still discovering. And in fact, there is a really weird thing out there in space that is affecting how the galaxies and the clusters are all moving about that we really have no idea about, right? Yeah, we are building sort of a map of the universe. We look out and we see our solar system. We know where it sits in the galaxy. We know how the galaxy clusters together with other galaxies to make this thing we call the local group, uh, which is a cluster of galaxies. And then we've seen further out to see how that cluster forms into superclusters. And we talked on the program once about how those superclusters line up into these really weird sheets and bubbles and stuff. But the cool thing is that that stuff is not static. It's not just like sitting there, right? This is a dynamic system. If you sped up the universe 
on like, you know, really fast time lapse, you would see stuff smashing into each other and whipping around each other. This is like a frothing, bubbling foam of, of stuff, but in super slow motion. Right. The, the universe is not retired. It's still pretty active and moving around and, and uh, restless. Yeah. And, you know, the, our galaxy is like heading towards another galaxy. And so one thing to, that's really fascinating to study is not just where stuff is, but where it's going. Right. What What is it going to look like in are things going to smash together or are they going to fly further apart or are they going to stay kind of the same? Yeah, so this is a fascinating question. And several listeners, here I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six listeners independently wrote in to ask us to talk about this particular weird thing that scientists found. Yeah, it's a very big mystery. And so here's the audio from Stephen Gonda asking us what this mystery is. Hello, Daniel and Jorge. This is Stephen from Calgary, Canada. I've read about the phenomena called the Great Attractor, and I'd like to learn more. What do we know about it? What don't we know? And what are some theories regarding what it could be? Thank you. All right. That's a great question from Stephen. And he is asking us about this interesting mystery, which is this idea of the Great Attractor. Yeah, it's this amazing mystery, this huge cosmic galactic question mark nearby in our cosmic neighborhood. And not just Stephen, but also Mike Miller, Neil McLean, Peter McKeever, and Chris Adikes all wrote in to ask us to talk about this. So thanks to those people who wrote to us with their burning curiosity about the universe. And if you're out there and want us to talk about something, please don't be shy. Send us your questions to questions at danielandjorge.com. So I guess they all wrote the same question, similar or the same question, which means it's a very attractive question. <laughs> or it's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> And I'm, I'm also assuming they're not asking about Brad Pitt, who's also pretty attractive. <laughs> he has a sort of gravitational pull on everything in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> a lot of gravitas. But it's not a mystery, right? Everybody understands. Like, there's a strong pull there. And if everything, all the projects are sort of sucked towards him, then we know that he's around. <laughs> yeah, so to the end of the podcast, we'll be tackling this big mystery. We'll be asking the question... What is the Great Attractor? Is it a what is or a who is? Is this another alien episode, Daniel? I'm not saying it's not aliens. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not oh, not man. aliens. But, you know, anything weird out there in space could be the beginning of that science fiction movie where they find aliens, you know? It's always some guy in a control room going, huh, that's weird. Dot, 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 aliens. Good thing you're not that person. Because it would be aliens every time, it seems. <laughs> if they put a big red aliens button next to my desk, I'd be hitting it every single day. <laughs> then they would disconnect Where's my the pen? Button. Aliens. <laughs> what should I have for dinner? Aliens. <laughs> aliens. I don't have aliens for dinner. We can't digest aliens, man. Oh, I want to have aliens over for dinner. We can hang <laughs> out with them and ask them so questions. So they can eat you, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, we don't know who or what this great attractor is. And in fact, it, it just has a really pretty mysterious name. It's not even the best named attractor out there. There's another one out there, even bigger, more mysterious with a better name. Is there a greatest attractor? <laughs> the other one is called the shapely attractor. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really. <laughs> That's Angelina Jolie, right? Um, <laughs> in a very not safe you have solved two joke. cosmic mysteries right here on the podcast <laughs> there today. There you go. Double Nobel Prize for They are heavenly gods just <laughs> waiting for them to get back together. I mean, why shouldn't they be? Well, I walked around campus at UC Irvine and I asked folks if they knew what the great attractor was. So think about it for a second. If someone asks you what or who the great attractor is, 
what would you say? Here's what people had to say. Something to do with magnets? I have a friend who's a physics major. He mentioned, he mentioned that at some point. If it's a great quantum attractor, I would think it would have something to do with sort of a black hole, something attracting everything around it. Is it the center of galaxies? Probably has to do with like, gravity attracting something. I think I may have in physics in high school. I'm not too sure to be honest. All right. Uh, probably not the one you're thinking of. What are you thinking of? <laughs> uh, something gravitational. All right, no, nobody went with Brad Pitt. I guess it's just me who <laughs> I'm obsessed with Brad Pitt, or he's just in the news so much. You're either a singular genius or you're just wrong. <laughs> well, how do you how do we know it's not Brad Pitt, Daniel? <laughs> I have a Brad Pitt button right here next to my <laughs> desk. Right. You hit the Brad Pitt button, I hit the alien button. The logical conclusion is Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt is an alien. Is an alien. Boom. <laughs> wow, we are just banging out the mysteries we today. Solved all the mysteries of the universe. <laughs> if you can make that connection, you've done it. Is that you why see. they adopted so many children? Because hmm? they're not actually human? Hmm? <laughs> Right. Who can survive being uh, having so many children? <laughs> you, you need you, you need a special power. <laughs> <laughs> well, and still and still look, look as good as he does. Well, I can tell you that the Great Attractor is not Brad Pitt because the Great Attractor is something like two hundred million light years away. And last I checked, Brad Pitt was on Earth, which is considerably closer than that. All right, we'll get to talking about this great attractor. So it's something that's out there in space, right? Affecting how the galaxies are moving around in, in space? Yeah, it seems to be this really mysterious source of gravity. It's out there in space, it's really far away, and it's pulling on everything. But nobody knows what's there, like what is creating all of this attraction. Right, a lot of people said gravity in their answers. Is that, do you think, you know, you say great attractor and people automatically think gravity? I guess so, yeah. There's some connection in their minds between attraction and gravity, which makes sense, right? If you're thinking space stuff, then it's mostly gravity that's doing the attracting. All right, we'll get into what this great mystery, this great attractor is and what it could be uh, or who it could be and ask whether it's going to suck us in. It's, it's gonna, if we're going to get pulled into its attractiveness once and for all. But first, let's take a quick break. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. All right, Daniel, so there's a big mystery out there in space called the Great Attractor. So break it down for us. What is the Great Attractor? Well, as we said earlier, we're interested in where we are in space, but also what the stuff around us is doing, where it's going, how it's moving. We know that the universe is expanding, right? More space is being made everywhere, which means that everything is moving away from each other, right? Everything we look at is moving away from us, so it's redshifted. It's redshifted, meaning that light from it is shifted to longer wavelengths because it's moving away from us at some speed. Right. There's sort of a general motion of the of everything in the universe being pulled apart. Yeah, being pulled apart. But that's sort of the overall picture. That's the average picture. Then there's sort of local variations, right? Like, for example, the Earth is not moving away from the sun. Why? Because the Earth is held by the gravity of the sun. And so you can look at, at how fast things are moving relative to each other to get a sense for sort of where the gravity is. Like the sun is not moving away from the Milky Way for the same reason. Gravity is holding the sun as part of the Milky Way. And then we could ask about like, what's the relative velocity between our galaxy and another galaxy or other galaxies? Right, because we're moving towards the Andromeda galaxy, right? Not away from it. That's right. The Andromeda galaxy is moving towards us. And so this is a variation relative to this expansion. If you imagine like all that expansion is sort of the baseline, then we can ask like the stuff around us, how is it moving relative to what you would expect from that expansion? And some of the stuff is actually moving towards us like Andromeda because of gravity. And so what they did is they did this redshift survey. They looked around at all the galaxies and they asked, where are they going relative to the sort of baseline expansion? So on average, the universe is expanding and everything's moving away from each other. But mm -hmm. you're saying sort of locally, what, what, what are the galaxies actually doing? Or all galaxies? Yeah. Or just the ones around us? Just the ones around us is where we begin. And those are the easiest to understand and to see because they're closer. It gives us a picture for where the stuff is because we measure what the gravity is. It's just like the discovery of dark matter. You look at the rotation of a galaxy and you understand how much gravity should be there to hold it together. And then you count up all the stars and you ask, can all that gravity be explained? The answer was no. So we assumed, oh, there's some extra matter inside the galaxy to explain it. This is sort of that same strategy, but on the galactic scale, where we look at the motion of the galaxies and then we ask, can we explain the motion of those galaxies based on all the stuff we know is there? It's kind of like you were telling me earlier that if the sun was invisible for some reason, we could probably still know that it's there just from seeing how the planets move in a circle around something. That's right. You can deduce that stuff is there by, by its gravitational effects. Just like the Earth moving around the sun, you don't need to see the sun to know that there's something heavy there that's keeping the Earth in orbit. 
in the same way we discovered the black hole at the center of our galaxy initially by seeing these stars orbit it, making these patterns that they just wouldn't make if there wasn't some really heavy, massive, invisible thing there. Okay, so then you're saying that we have been doing this kind of, we, we have done this kind of analysis with the galaxies all around us just to see if everything's moving kind of in a kosher way? Yeah, we were curious, like, where is everything going? And we did this calculation, we looked at everything, we measured its redshift, and that gives us a picture for sort of like where everything is going. You can like take every galaxy and put an arrow on it and say, this one's going over there, this one's going over here. And what we discovered is that first of all, we have a velocity. We have a velocity relative to sort of like the cosmic microwave background that's sort of filling space. We are getting pulled somewhere. We are not the center of the universe is what you're saying. <laughs> well, you and I are, but the whole galaxy, it turns out, to just be dragging us down. Oh, we're moseying on somewhere as yeah. a galaxy. As a galaxy, we're moving actually quite fast relative to this cosmic microwave background. Oh, man. You just gave me whiplash. <laughs> and, I, feel, I feel felt so stable. Now, but now to think that our whole galaxy is moving in probably millions of miles per hour, it sort of threw me off a bit. Yeah. And all of the galaxies together seem to be, not just our galaxy, but all the galaxies together seem to be sort of sucked in the same direction. All the nearby ones are getting pulled in the same direction. You mean like the, there's a galaxy to our right and it's also going in the same direction we are and there's a galaxy to our left and it's also going the same way? Mm -hmm. Now, individual ones can have variations like Andromeda, the closest one, happens to be coming right at us. But if you look at the average sort of flow of the galaxies nearby, they're all pointing in the same direction. Sort of like there's some huge amount of mass there creating gravity, sucking everything in. Wait, and so we're going towards it or we're sort of orbiting it? We're going towards it. And this is the goal, right, is, is to figure out how fast everything is moving and to use that to figure out, to make sort of a map of where the mass has to be. And then compare that and say, well, do we see all that mass, right? Just like we did when we discovered dark matter. We make a map of where we think the gravity is, and then we ask, can we explain all that gravity using the mass from the visible stuff? From what we, what we see. And also the dark matter, did you take that into account as well? Oh, crap. We forgot to account for the dark matter. Yeah, Damn, man. man. No, we, we do. I mean, we know, <laughs> we know that we see a galaxy that we're not seeing all the mass from it. We have pretty good ways to measure the, or to estimate the amount of dark matter in a galaxy based on its type and its age and all this sort of stuff. That was a little insulting, Daniel. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> well, who was being insulting? Because you were like, did you remember the dark matter? Yes, thank you. Did you did you carry the two? Did you carry the ones, Daniel? Because this is all very suspicious. Are you going to come over here help me with my arithmetic? Could you please? I forgot. It's long division. I haven't done that in forever. I need some help. Um, <laughs> I guess what I mean is, how do you know that you've accounted for all the dark matter? I mean, you, you can't see the dark matter. You only have sort of like models of it. That's right. We don't. And that's a possible explanation. But we know something is there. And we don't think that there are these blobs of invisible dark matter that are not hanging out with visible galaxies. And so what we do know is that there's some region out there that is sucking us all in, that's pulling us towards it. And we didn't expect that because we don't see anything there that can explain it. And, and this is like um, everything, all the galaxies that we see are just the ones around us. Because, you know, we like you said, we are part of these clusters and super clusters and gigantic, ginormous walls and sheets of galaxies. 
you know, is everything moving towards something or just sort of locally? Local in this context means sort of part of our supercluster. So all the sort of clusters of galaxies and those clusters of clusters seem to be moving in, in this neighborhood towards this thing called the Great Attractor. So it's like a feature of our supercluster. Yeah, but if you go even further beyond that, everything else is getting, including that Great Attractor, is getting sucked towards something else, a bigger attractor called the Shapely Attractor. Why didn't you call it the Greatest Attractor? <laughs> well, it's named after a guy named Shapely, honestly. Like, oh, no kidding, literally what? His nas- his, literally his last name is Shapely. Oh. Are you, aren't you going to ask me if he was pretty shapely? <laughs> or he or she, that would be inappropriate, Daniel. I have, I have broadcast standards. Oh, I should read those somewhere. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I thought you would be surprised that I have standards. Um, but one really mysterious thing about this great attractor is that it happens to be in a spot that's very difficult for us to look at. Mm, suspiciously. Suspiciously. It's a coincidence. Yeah. Why, why is it hard to look at it? Well, if you look up in the night sky, the places that are easiest to see are the places where you're looking away from our galaxy. You look sort of out into deep space. If there's something out in the sky and it's hiding behind the Milky Way, it's much harder to see just because there are a lot of stars and dust and gas between us and it. So we sort of have a bit of a cosmic blind spot. There's a big mass of something possibly within our supercluster, cluster, and there's an even bigger mass of something you're saying... Out in, out in between the superclusters. Mm-hmm. Or it might be at the, like, the center of a bunch of superclusters. The shapely attractor is even less well understood. But oh, the wow. frustrating thing is that both of them sit sort of behind the plane of the galaxy. Like they're the, if you look in that direction, if you look up in the night sky when you're camping and you see the Milky Way, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. But it means you can't see what's behind it very well because the Milky Way is so bright. This episode is filled with great names because astronomers refer to that whole region of the sky as the zone of avoidance. As in, don't even try to do any science there. It's just all lit up and it's a, it's a mess. Oh, so it's a, an avoidance not because you shouldn't go there. It's, it's more like don't, don't stake your academic career on that area of the universe. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the harder region to observe anything. And so if you're looking for something clear and beautiful, look somewhere else because this is the messy spot. You know, if you want to record a beautiful symphony, you don't do it, you know, on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. That's a zone of avoidance for careful recordings. All right, so um, these things that might be really important to the universe and to how the universe is moving and changing are pretty much uh, sort of occluded from us, you're saying. Yeah, we can't really see in that direction. And there's something really fascinating and interesting out there that seems to be pulling all these galaxies towards it. All right, let's get into what it could be or who it could be and whether or not we are going to all end up being uh, fatally attracted to this great <laughs> I attractor. I think you're already attracted to Brad Pitt. I think that's the conclusion <laughs> to this I'm already, episode. I, I'm, I've already played a fatal attraction with Brad Pitt. <laughs> he's going to listen to this episode and now he's never going to come on the podcast. <laughs> or maybe he'll be attracted to coming on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's get into whether or not we'll, we'll be sucked into it as well. But first, let's take a quick break. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. 
Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. All right, Daniel, the great attractor out there in space is, is moving galaxies in a mysterious way. Uh, so what what could it be if we don't know what it is? Well, as usual, I have an escalating series of possible explanations from like super boring to mind-blowingly <laughs> crazy and insane. Does it end with aliens as usual? <laughs> it's going to end with a movie pitch, of course. <laughs> <laughs> is your hand over the alien button right Not now yet. hovering? Are you no. itching to press it? I am. But first, we got to go through like the other possible explanations. It could be like much more boring physics. All right. All right. So there's something uh, causing all the galaxies to move towards a, a sort of an area or a point. And so what could it be? Could Is it a big blob of dark matter or is it, um, you know, uh, like a, just a giant rock? Yeah, well, it couldn't just be a giant rock because remember, this thing has the mass of like 10 quadrillion suns. It's really big. How many, like equivalently, how many galaxies is that? Yeah, that would be like 10,000 Milky Way galaxies. So oh whatever God. this is, it's not small. You know, we went out to sort of map the universe and see where stuff is and see its direction. We expected everything to have some relative velocity. There to be some sort of jiggle, you know. Think about like the galaxies is like, you know, some sort of cosmic gas. You expect them to be bouncing around a little bit. But we were pretty surprised to discover this is in the 80s that everything was really strongly getting pulled in this one direction. So it's a big deal. And so it's the equivalent, whatever it's pulling us out there is the equivalent of 10,000 galaxies. Wow. It's hard to How imagine, you, right? And each yeah. galaxy, of course, has billions and billions and billions of stars and planets. So it's a lot of stuff. Well, it's not a small mystery. It's not a small mystery. It's a great attractor. <laughs> it's a great mystery. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe great doesn't sell it enough. You know, they should yeah, have called it the amazing I mean. attractor. <laughs> the unbelievably fantastic <laughs> and amazing attractor. But the sort of the simplest explanation is that it just could be a lot of stuff. It could just be that there's a lot of galaxies over there and it's hard for us to see them because they're blocked by the Milky Way. 
Right. Or they could be dark. Like it could just be, you know, matter, but it's not shiny. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it could be just like normal matter, just like galaxies and that are bright in the same way, but you just can't see them very well. And so people, you know, they're doing this or pointing our telescopes at this at this location and trying to discover, is there anything back there? We've mostly been avoiding that part of the sky because it's hard to look at. But now because of this weird gravitational anomaly, there are folks pointing their infrared telescopes at this thing. Okay, so um, could it be like dark matter? Could it be a giant blob of dark matter that we that is just floating out there by itself? It could be because what we see out there using infrared telescopes is not enough to explain it. Like we definitely see that there are clusters of galaxies out there. There's a lot of them, in fact, but not enough to explain this. There are galaxies out there where where the greater tractor would be, but there, there aren't 10,000 galaxies. Yeah, and you know, this is hard to measure. And so there's a lot of uncertainty still. It's not like we have a very clear picture. We have to use infrared light to penetrate the gas and the dust of the Milky Way. It's easier to get through the Milky Way if you're infrared light because you you get through the gas and the dust, which seems small relative to your long wavelength. Right. And you get to wear those cool infrared goggles, too. (laughs) That's basically why people do infrared astronomy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Do they wear it while they're doing astronomy? I wonder. It's still cooler. They they do. Yeah. That and the snacks also are awesome. (laughs) Good. The bananas and Mm -hmm. the smoothies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, as we said before, one of the goals is to sort of make a map of the mass of the galaxy. And we just can't see enough stuff to explain all of this mass, all of this gravity. Not even dark matter. Well, not even dark matter, because we expect dark matter to sort of follow the pattern of visible matter. Everywhere else in the universe, galaxies form and stars form because there's dark matter there. It makes sort of these gravitational wells that pull in gas and dust and form galaxies. And you expect visible matter to sort of give you a map for where the dark matter is. So it'd be really weird to have like a huge amount of extra dark matter, like a ginormous amount without as much visible matter with it. It'd be weird, but not impossible, maybe? Like, you could technically maybe have some dark matter floating by itself, couldn't you? Yeah, you could. And you'd need some sort of weird event to explain, like, why that dark matter hasn't already attracted a bunch of gas and dust to make galaxies to sort of give it away, right? This like stealth dark matter. Aliens. I'm pressing the button. I'm pressing the button. <laughs> All right. It's aliens. All right. And, you know, you got to press that aliens button. But to me, the aliens button represents something larger, you know, like the things we don't understand, the reasons we're doing science, the reasons we are interested in exploring the universe is to find the new weird stuff to sort of add to our list of things we have in our great model of the universe. It's like, it's almost like a mental exercise just to keep your mind open to crazy (laughs) possibilities. Yeah, exactly. You want to know what else is out there and you want to discover something new. And so first you have to like cross off the list, other possible explanations before you're forced to confront the fact that maybe there's something new out there that that explains this, something you haven't ever seen before. Super dark matter. Yeah, or stealthy dark matter. Um, <laughs> stealthy. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Spy matter. We Spy don't know matter. what it is. And so it could, you know, potentially be aliens, but it, it's sort of hard to imagine because this is a really, really big lump of stuff. Well, let's let's tick off the the other one in your list. You said it could be maybe dark energy, not just dark matter? Yeah, remember that dark energy is just our observation of what's happening in the universe. We see that the universe is expanding, that space between galaxies is increasing as new space is made. But that's sort of like an average thing. We've sort of measured that overall for the universe. But what we don't know is 
is that uniform? Is it the same everywhere? Is the expansion constant in every point in space? Or are there like little variations? Oh, you mean we've been assuming that the the dark energy, the expansion of the universe is like uh, even and smooth everywhere. But you're saying maybe it's not. Maybe it's it's like a lumpy, lumpy growth. Yeah, as we first measure it, we sort of measure like the overall expansion. And we were surprised to discover, you know, wow, it's expanding and accelerating. And then as we get better and better measurements, we can start to resolve it in more detail and understand like, is it different in this direction than in that other direction? Right. The expansion of the universe, dark energy, is not this kind of smooth, even thing, but maybe it's like it's growing a little bit more over here or a little bit growing more over there. Or maybe it's even like it's it, it's like folding the universe in weird ways. Yeah, there's this whole concept of dark flows that maybe dark energy is not constant. And we've seen other ideas that relate to that, like this idea of cosmic strings that in the first moments of the universe when it expanded really rapidly and cooled, that that cooling didn't happen uniformly and made these sort of discontinuities in space. So it's not the first time we've imagined that maybe space is not uniform and homogenous. And so it's possible that this is some weird place where there's less dark energy. And so it's oh, not expanding as much. Interesting. Mm-hmm. A pocket of, of not dark energy. Yeah, of, you know, where the good side of the force is winning. <laughs> of light energy. <laughs> that's where, that's <laughs> where all the Jedis are. That's where the Jedi Yoda's temple home is. planet, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Full of baby Yodas who are so cute and uh, we're going to end up attracting everyone anyways. Yeah, their cuteness is what's defeating dark energy, <laughs> it's I'm causing, sure. Yeah, that's right. Never underestimate the power of cute. All right, so uh, it could be dark matter. It could be just a, a, a fault in our assumption about dark energy. Uh, but you're saying it could be something else. So let's let's go ahead, Daniel. Let's press the All alien right. button. Can I How do could Can I press the button? Cause, yeah, press the button. I know you're itching to press it. <laughs> in, which, in what possible way could aliens be causing this giant attractor in the, in the, in the galaxies? All right, so I have this crazy idea, right? And, you know, you know, that star we talked about before, Tabby star, where people were speculating that maybe because the light was dimming in unusual, regular ways, that aliens were building a shield around it, sort of gather up all of its energy, a Dyson sphere. That was pretty exciting. But I have an idea that's sort of like 10 quadrillion times bigger than that. Like, what? Yeah. Like uh-huh. What if aliens are building something and uh-huh. it's just like, but it's huge. It's not just like a sphere what? and a star, but it's like something the mass of 10 quadrillion suns. You're saying the aliens have built like a city or a spaceship the size of 10,000 galaxies? Yeah, who knows what it is they're building? Like, we have no idea what aliens would build. But if they were, you know, they wouldn't build something that's glowing, that's like giving off light and shining. It would be dark, right? They'd be. They painted it black <laughs> to try to. <laughs> for some nefarious reason. (laughs) Yeah, or maybe they're just going to throw us a surprise party and they just want to sneak up (laughs) on us. It's it's just a giant billboard for us saying, (laughs) welcome humans. (laughs) (laughs) It's a huge coupon for free banana smoothies. Yeah, there you go, for life, for eternity. <laughs> for life. But it's hard to imagine wow, what? You know, what you could build that would be that big. But hey, you know, the universe is filled with crazy stuff and it's been around for billions of years before our solar system was even formed. So maybe this is a very old construction project and the aliens are out there building something so big that it sucks in whole galaxies. It's, it's bending galaxies to their whim, kind of. 
Yeah, huh. precisely. Maybe it's a, just a big art project for them. They're like, yeah, we don't like the way these clusters look. <laughs> they they need a little bit more shapeliness to them. It's a huge black space banana. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> they, you have the space banana button on your desk. Yeah, there you go. I have a Brad Pitt button here and a banana button. <laughs> One on each side of my... Don't uh, press them at the same time microphone. across the streams. <laughs> <laughs> Or let's all, let's press all three at the same time, <laughs> no, Daniel. Ready? No. One, the universe two. can't handle it. No. Oh. All right. Um, so maybe aliens have built something the size of ten thousand galaxies, and that's what it's um, a trend. But is that even possible? Could you build something that big and not have it just collapse into a black hole, or or who knows? Well, you know, I'm sure those alien engineers can solve that problem, but. This is where the movie pitch begins. You know, I want to see the movie where aliens make something the size of 10 quadrillion suns. The city of, a, of 10,000 galaxies. That's the title. <laughs> Star, Star Wars episode 15, That's the right. city of 10,000 galaxies. Somebody out there, contact our agent. We are ready to write that movie. <laughs> we are re- we're ready to write any screenplay, really. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> we just want that option money. <laughs> All right, so uh, those are all possibilities for what it could be. And it sounds like we don't really know, but but I guess the question is, what's going to happen? Are we all going to end up, is the whole universe or the whole cluster of galaxies going to end up getting sucked into it? Are we, are, are we is this, this going to spell the, the, the end of, of our existence or... Or is there a sunny side to all of this? Well, it's a fair question because one reason we're interested in sort of mapping where stuff is and where it's going is that we'd like to know what the future of our galaxy is. You know, we know that we're going to hit Andromeda in a few billion years, but there's sort of a larger context of what's going to happen to our local group and are we all getting sucked into this massive alien vacuum cleaner or whatever it is they're building. And so the way to think about it is that there's a sort of a cosmic battle going on. On one side, you have dark energy that's trying to pull everything apart. That's creating new space between stuff and making everything further and further apart. And on the other hand, you have gravity that's doing its best to keep stuff together. You know, it's keeping the Earth going around the sun. It's keeping our sun in the Milky Way and it's trying to keep our group of galaxies together. So it's this cosmic tug of war between the two. Man, it's like the ultimate cosmic struggle you know order versus chaos you know nothingness versus something yeah it totally is and we're watching it play out on this cosmic scale though sort of super slow motion and the answer fortunately or unfortunately i'm not sure is that dark energy is much more powerful what is that your favorite is that where your money is are you are you on the dark side daniel are you officially stepping into the dark side well you know the dark side forever will dominate our destiny i mean we live in a dark side <laughs> universe because dark energy is 70 percent of the energy budget of the universe and it just can't be beat by this little piddly gravity Wow. Well, I, I do like the uh, lightning bolts coming out of uh, the, your hands, my hands here. So <laughs> there is a plus to joining the dark side. You got lumpy banana smoothies and lightning bolts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe at the same time. Yeah, maybe at the same time. So dark energy is definitely going to win. It's going to pull things apart. But you were telling me that maybe we don't know what dark energy is going to do, right? Like it could just maybe give up one day and then gravity will win. You think dark energy has been like conquering the universe for five billion years and then it just gets bored of winning? I think it peaked already. You know? So much winning, you're going to get tired of winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got to it's gotta retire at some point, you know? Well, you know, gravity is very patient. It waits around forever and gathers stuff together. So maybe it's just waiting. It's biding its time until the dark force gives up. Because as far as we know, gravity hasn't changed like 
dark energy. We know gravity, uh, dark energy has changed, right? Since the beginning of time. But That's true. gravity has uh, remained rock steady. That's true. Dark energy, we think, is maybe connected to inflation, the first few moments of the universe and cr- cosmic expansion. And then it sort of bided its time for 10 billion years while things spread out. And then every, all the matter was so dilute that dark energy had a chance to take over and, and drive the expansion of the universe again. But you're right, we don't know the mechanism, and so we don't know the future of it. But it seems to me the most likely thing is that dark energy wins and the universe spreads out and we end up as these like tiny little crystalline points of light super far away from everything else. And the night sky just gets darker and darker. Well, I'm trying to look at the bright side. Maybe, you know, if you were born or if a civilization starting in one of those planets where they can only see, they don't see any stars out there, then they would think that they are the only living beings in the entire universe or that their whole universe was just them. Yeah, a hundred years ago, we thought that our galaxy was the whole universe. We didn't even know there were other galaxies out there. It was mind-blowing sort of paradigm shift, learning about our context to discover that there were other galaxies and lots of them. But you're right, if we came along late enough, we wouldn't learn that. We would think that our galaxy was special. Okay, so it doesn't sound like you're too worried about the great attractor or the shapely attractor or the super duper <laughs> shapelier attractor, which well, I just made up. All this stuff is going to happen in billions of years anyway. And so, you know, our sun is going to explode in billions of years. So before that happens, we got other problems to solve. Oh, I see. I guess maybe um, I'm just worried for the, the galaxy in general. You're a galaxy stan, you're a Milky Way supporter. Yeah, you know, I'm a fan of it. <laughs> it's done good I've things gr- for you. I've grown, to, I've grown fond of this galaxy. <laughs> Uh, but you're saying it's not, it's probably, it's probably not going to get crunched into this great attractor. You know, it's going to shape the, the, how things move and how things look, but maybe it's not going to crunch it all together. Yeah, in the cosmic scale, all these vectors we're talking about, these velocities where everything is getting pulled towards a great attractor, these are small corrections to what dark energy is already doing. It's helpful in the sense of like using gravity to give us a map for where the mass and the gravity is in the universe. But in the end, it's not the most powerful thing. And, you know, our supercluster just doesn't have enough gravity to it to hold itself together. Dark energy is going to tear it apart. All right, I'm going to press the buttons again, Daniel. I think it's aliens <laughs> building something <laughs> to fight dark energy. Ooh, Ooh maybe. Right, yeah. yeah. They're, right. they're like, dark energy is spreading everything apart. Let's bring it all back together. Yeah, could be. And, you know, it could be that uh, human physicists figure out a way somehow to like tap into dark energy and use it to build wormholes between galaxies. And so that even if the universe gets really spread out, we could still somehow travel to other stars. Who knows? All right. Well, we hope that that answers the question for Stephen and for Mike and Neil and Peter and everyone who asked this question. Pretty interesting. It sounds like there are still giant, big, attractive mysteries out there in space. Yeah, we are only beginning to explore the universe and discover the weird stuff that's out there and try to fit our models for everything we understand to it. And then, you know, add to it, add new stuff to it, new baby Yodas, new aliens building cosmic cities, new banana smoothie flavors, some, all some sorts baby of baby Brad stuff. Pitt's are probably <laughs> also pretty cute. Um, and so it's an exciting time to be looking out into the universe and learning about what's out there because every year, every decade, there are tremendous mind-blowing discoveries that just change the way we think about what's out there. So stay tuned, I guess is the message, because who knows what the universe will do That's in right. a few billion years. Keep funding astronomy. is giving us clues as to where we are and where we're going. That's right. Donate to the NSFW 
<laughs> for to support this kind of uh, banana projects. <laughs> it wouldn't be bananas to do so. See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.